following is a continuation in our series looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We hope you enjoy. I stuck out my mic. Okay. All right. So tonight, guys, we're continuing, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to be talking about faithfulness today. We're going to start with a quote by Jerry Bridges. And he defines a faithful person as one who is dependable, trustworthy, and loyal, who can be depended upon in all his relationships, and who is absolutely honest and ethical in all his affairs. Now, to yourselves, think like, Kind of ponder, is that a good definition of faithfulness? I would say it does. I think it does in the term a pretty good justice. But we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit more and ask, what is the context of faithfulness? You know, where do we see faithfulness play out? And I'd say we see it in the context of relationships that we have with other people um, or other persons. Okay, so I want some answers. What are some examples of relationships that we all have? Friendships, family members, any others? There's a whole host, but dating. dating, but yeah, that's another one. We have friendships, family, spouses, co-workers, classmates, bosses, and the list really just goes on and on. But today we're kind of going to hone in on the relationship that we have with God. And we're going to look at a specific one, and that's going to be with God and his people, Israel. So we're going to look at Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Um, So turn to your Bibles, but before we read it, I will go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, for just letting us come together to hear about faithfulness and to see your faithfulness to your people and to us. Father, I pray that you give me peace as I teach these students, Father, and that they may hear and learn of your faithfulness. I pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. All right. So we're going to have Trey read it. Come on up. All right. Hosea 1, 1 to 11. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take for yourself a wife of Hordom, and have children of Hordom. For the land commits a great Hordom, for forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. Now I'll put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel, and on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel. To forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war, by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son, and the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, and in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it will be said of them, children of the living God. 
And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Thank you, Tree. Okay. So, in this passage we see two opposite ideas going on, right? We see this idea of the faithlessness of Israel, of God's people, but then we also see in a greater contrast, God's faithfulness to his people. And if you remember last year, last fall actually, we went through the Minor Prophets and we went through the book of Hosea. And so Hosea was kind of an interesting prophet. He had this pretty interesting task, which was he had to marry this woman, and her name was Gomer, and she was to be an unfaithful bride to Hosea. But he was still to remain faithful to her despite that. And the purpose of him doing this was to be a reflection of the relationship that God and Israel have had, despite the constant unfaithfulness of Gomer. We see that Israel was unfaithful, and yet God still remained faithful. And in that constant unfaithfulness of Gomer, we also see these strange names of their children. You have Jezreel, and that means scattered. You have Lo-Ruhumah, which means not pitied or not loved. And you also have Loami, which means not my people. And each of these names was to be a reflection of how the people of Israel were living in relation to God. And they were also, they were the judgment that God would place on them. And they were a constant reminder of the people seeking after idols and other gods. But despite the unfaithfulness of Israel, we see that God remained faithful throughout it all. Um, and we see that shine in verses 10 and 11. We see the faithfulness of God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God, and the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So in these last verses of that section, we see the promise that God made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 15. We see him here reminding them of it, remembering it, that he's going to make a nation out of them and that their offspring will be like the sand of the sea. And this is what faithfulness is. It's to remain committed no matter the circumstances. So we just talked about, you know, what is it? So now we're going to move on to where does it come from? And in a similar manner, we're going to see that it comes from God, ultimately. Kind of talking again on the idea of promises, actually, I want you all to open up your Bibles to your table of contents. Although there's no verses in the table of contents, there's an idea that I want us to kind of look at. So, what do you see when you look at your table of contents? What are some things you see? Books of the Bible. More books of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. You, you see books. You see Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and so forth. If you know your books, maybe you see different styles, different genres, different stories. And what's unifying in them all? What's kind of that idea that's in all of it? It's God's faithfulness. We have the New and Old Testament, and they're testaments to God's faithfulness to us, that he remains faithful. You have the prophets, God coming to bring his people back. And he was faithful to them always. So where does faithfulness come from? 
It finds its fullest expression in God and in his story with his people. And so from the promise to the seed of the woman in Genesis, that he would crush the head of the serpent, we see that all the way in Genesis. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, the fulfillment and its culmination in the New Testament with Jesus. So where does it come from? It comes from God. We're going to turn now to a little bit more of like a human sense of it. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. We're going to see how it plays out in ourselves. And who do I ask to read that? Caroline. There we go. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you till the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Caroline. Okay. So we're actually going to look at the idea that Paul expresses in verses 7 through 9. And, of course, that's about faithfulness. So I'm going to read verses 7 and 9 again, just so you all can hear even more. So that you are not lacking in any gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So looking closer, we see this wonderful idea, this wonderful fact. And that's that our Lord Jesus Christ, he will sustain us to the end. We may step away for a time. Our Lord, he will sustain us and he will remain faithful. He has said that we are his. We're in his hands. He's the good shepherd and he knows his sheep. So what assurance do we have in this? Well, it's that God, he holds our faithfulness, and he's the one who our faithfulness comes from. And if it's not in us, then how can we rest in it? Well, that's what we just talked about for the past few minutes, that God is faithful, that he holds true always. He said it, it will be done, it will be so. So if we look at verse 9, we see that God is faithful, and that we were called into fellowship. We're brought into the relationship by God, but then we're sustained in that relationship by God as well. So we see, where does faithfulness come from? It comes from God. Um, and if you all remember this picture that Tree showed us a while back, um, I love this for some reason, but it's like, you know, this idea of communion, communion and union. Sometimes we lose communion, but he always holds us in union, you know. And as Paul says in 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, that if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He's going to hold on to us. And that's what faithfulness is. So, how do we cultivate faithfulness? We're going to first start by looking on the definition of faithfulness that we gave all the way back in the beginning. Being faithful, according to one writer, is to be dependable, trustworthy, and loyal. It's someone who can be depended upon in all his relationships and who is absolutely honest and ethical in all his affairs. Now, I would say if you ever found someone who exemplified all of these, they're a pretty stand-up guy, and I would cling on to them and never let them go. 
an example that I hope all of you know of Samwise Gamgee. Oh, I love, I love Samwise Gamgee. But he's, he's just such a good example of faithfulness, right? He's this guy, if y'all don't know the Lord of the Rings, Samwise is, he's Frodo, partner and friend. And he stays with him. He goes all the way from Hobbiton, all the way down through fire, ash, all the way down to Mordor to destroy the One Ring. And Sam, like, he has no reason. He has no tie to any of it besides the fact that he's Frodo's friend. And so he's just with Frodo to it to the very end. I love that story. I love Sam. Makes me want to cry whenever I watch those movies. He's wonderful. How do we cultivate faithfulness? How do we cultivate it? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. And I believe Luke is going to read it for us. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> okay, so, to be faithful is to be a steward. Or to be a steward is to be faithful. What is a steward? We're just going to quickly touch on that. So what is a steward? A steward is someone who cares for another person's possessions. It's someone who is trustworthy. I think of the parable of the stewards that Jesus gave. A steward is someone who acts good toward their master, even when no one is watching them. And as we grow in our faithfulness as well, we're going to grow in our desire to be faithful to our king. And we'll grow in our desire to honor him. Now we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. All right, Caleb. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Thank you, Caleb. Okay. What is the manner that we have faithfulness? How do we hold faithfulness? How do we cultivate it? It's written here that we bind it around our neck. It's kind of an interesting idea, but when I think of this idea of binding, I kind of think of like an iron collar shackled to our neck. It's locked to us, like you, you can't get rid of it. But it's not that it holds us down, but it's just that it's always with us. It's always a reminder, and it stays with us wherever we go. And then it also says in verse 3 that you write it on the tablet of your heart. Not just our soft hearts, but our tablet of hearts. And, like, how do you write on the tablet? You engrave it, like, chisel it in. It's like rock. It's permanent. It's carved out of the rock. You can't wipe it away. Think of, like, gravestones, you know. It's, like, chiseled in there. The whole idea of faithfulness is that it's always with us. It's permanent. And we, we keep it with us always. So then, moving on to verse 4. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now, this isn't to say that, you know, we're all going to be billionaires just because we're faithful. This isn't name it and claim it. But the idea is that someone who's faithful to their creator, to the one who made them, they're living the best life that's possible. There's no better life than living in faithfulness to our creator. We were created to be in fellowship with him. So when we are in fellowship and we are faithful to him, that's the best life that we could possibly live. And then also in another sense, when we're faithful, we have the pearl of great price. 
We have the best gem in the world. We're the richest guys there are. We got the, the best jewel. So I'm going to close with just one final story. I love this one. Tree loves it. It's a great story. And this is the story, this is about Polycarp. And he's one of the early church fathers. And he was the bishop of Smyrna. I think he, he was around like 150 AD. Don't quote me on that. So he was up for trial because of his faith. And he was commanded to denounce his faith. He's like this 80-year-old guy. And they're like, come on, just denounce your faith. Like, like, why is it so hard? Why are you holding on? Just like, say you're an atheist or something like that. That's what they wanted. And they were like, we're going to feed you to the lions. We're going to burn you at the stake. And he gives these, these, these this awesome, awesome comeback. Um, I love this. He says, 80 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? 80 years. That's faithfulness, guys. So if God is faithful to us, so then how can we not be faithful to him? Amen. All right, I'm going to pray us out. I'm going to small groups. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the example of faithfulness that you've given to us, for your continued faithfulness to us. I pray now that as we go on to our small groups that we can discuss, Lord, what it means to be faithful and what that looks like and how we can cultivate it in our lives. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.